making sure that that publisher really understands not only how to get the most out of your, your products and services, but then they're actually doing that as well too. Okay, welcome back to the Marketing Playbook presented by Details Interactive. Here you'll take away three game-winning marketing plays every episode to take back to your team. I'm your host, Mark Friedman, and my career has been focused on direct-to-consumer marketing, direct mail, physical retail, and digital commerce. This is episode number 41, and today's guest is Carell Cooper, the CMO of Live Intent. Before we get started, a quick thank you as always to Max Brandstetter of the Wild wow Business Growth Podcast for producing this episode. You can reach him at max at maxpodcasting.com to help bring your podcast to life. Let's open the playbook. Ready, break. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Marketing Playbook podcast. Today, I'm joined by Carell Cooper, the Chief Marketing Officer at Live Intent, one of Business Insider's hottest ad tech companies two years in a row, 2019 and 2020. In his current role, Carell is responsible for the overall marketing strategy, which includes advertising, branding, product marketing, and public relations. But that's not the only place that he excels. Carell is an award-winning executive with 20-plus years of digital media experience, building advertising operations, account management, and marketing teams. He's been widely recognized for his leadership and innovation. He is a 2013 Advanced Visibility Most Valuable Player Award winner for product innovation. He also was included in Crane's New York Business Notable Black Leaders and Executives in the 2021 list. He's the recipient of the 2021 Adweek Reader's Choice Best of Tech Diversity Advocate of the Year Award, the 2021 Diversity Advocate of the Year Award by Campaign Tech Awards, and 2021 Award of Excellence by the Academy of Interactive and Visual Arts. Wow. So those are all things, Corel, that I have to admit, I had not heard of them until I read your bio. So are you out there on the circuit trying to win all these awards? You know, <laughs> is this like the, uh, the Oscars or, or what? No. Uh, well, well, first, thanks for having me, Mark. And uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that I'm out there purposely trying to, to win awards. I, I think that 2021 has, has certainly been uh, an interesting uh, year for me from, from that perspective. And I think it's just a culmination of sort of a lot of the, the hard work that I've put in over the years. Well, that's good. Uh, all all uh, well-deserved, I'm, I'm sure. Congratulations on all those awards. Uh, we're recording this uh, in the early part of August of uh, 2021. Uh, before we got started, we were talking about pandemic and, and how uh, and where we seem to be. How are you and your family doing? We're doing we're doing well. Uh, all all things considered, you know, uh, like you said, it's it's been a, a long road over the last eighteen months for uh, a lot of people, and uh, you know, I, I can't complain. Uh, I'm working. I have a great job that I love, uh, and my family is safe and healthy. Well, that's great. Glad to hear it. You know, as we, I, I've done this show and I think I'm up to uh, show 41, probably 40 more than uh, many of us thought I'd actually get to. Uh, but it's, it, this has been great. I've got to meet lots of great people like yourselves, uh, both on the provider side, the brand side, uh, early stage and, and more well-developed uh, businesses. 
But you know, as we get started, tell the audience a little bit about perhaps your upbringing, you know, where you grew up, and and you know what you have developed your career to be. Was there anything foreshadowing as you grew up that might have said this is kind of the area that you were going to you know have a career in? Yeah. So first, I'm I'm a Jersey guy, born and raised in in New Jersey. I, I've never lived anywhere else but the Garden State, and I'm and I'm proud to say that. Uh, currently live in in Edison, New Jersey, which is uh, Central New Jersey. Spent a lot of time growing up in Perth Amboy, Woodbridge. Uh, I went to Kane University, have my degree in marketing, my undergrad degree in Kane University, which is in Union, New Jersey as well too. So I I, I really am a, a a Jersey guy. You know what's interesting about that that question mark that that you asked is my my degree my undergrad degree again is in marketing uh my career which i know we'll get into that in a little bit uh really took the path of of ad operations and 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 then account management and now you know 21 years later after uh starting my career i'm now the the cmo uh, at live intent, right? So it's sort of come full circle in terms of what I went to school for and now actually uh, being in marketing. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're doing this video, uh, even though we don't share the video, we do this all audio. You know, you talk about Jersey, I think about Jersey hair, no Jersey hair going on <laughs> here. And and I'm not, a, well, I live in New Jersey and have for the last 30 years, I grew up in New York, but, you know, lots of, uh, of roots here and big Springsteen and uh, Bon Jovi fans. So got it. So you, you mentioned ad operations. What does ad operations mean? Again, way back when I started my career, I think ad operations meant something different then than it means today. Uh, uh, when it, what it meant then when I first started out was everything around uh, ad trafficking. So getting digital ads online, getting banner ads on the websites, right? And, and tracking the campaign performance, looking at inventory availability, really it started out as, as trafficking. I think what ad operations has evolved into today is much more of a strategic uh, position specifically within uh, publishers, right? Because the ad operations team, while yes, there's still a component of ad trafficking, they are the teams that really sort of dig into the technology that is used by a lot of, of, of publishers and, and other groups within our industry in terms of ad servers, uh, viewability vendors, uh, measurement tools, um, data management platforms, um, identity solutions, right? All of that technology uh, goes through the ad operations team to evaluate, use, and help make uh, decisions within publishers uh, uh, about their business. And so, you know, that role has definitely evolved into much more of a strategic position uh, while at the same time maintaining what I will call hands on keyboards and really understanding uh, the tech to help their organizations make decisions. When you, you started at, at Kane, got your, your marketing degree, moved in. So what was the first operations role that you had? What kind of a company? Yeah. So I, I my first job out of school was with a company called Earthweb, which was a publisher that focused on um, producing content for information technology professionals. And my first job was a sales assistant. Uh, so I was a sales assistant to the VP of, of, of sales and, you know, spent a lot of time doing 
admin related tasks and did that for probably about eight months or so. And then she came to me and said, you know, we are expanding this group called ad operations within our company and want to know if you would be interested in it and not knowing anything about ad operations. I said, sure. And so moved over into the ops team. That was my first uh, education and understanding on how to traffic ads uh, onto the internet. My first uh, um, introduction to an ad server, uh, my first introduction into learning how uh, impressions are counted and how marketers really look at the performance of their campaigns. And I did that for probably about uh, close to a year. Uh, and then we had some changes within the group and just kind of worked my way up to manager of, of ad operations and, and on from there. And, and after about a couple of years at EarthWeb, we were acquired by a competitor called internet.com at the time, which then changed its name to Jupiter Media. And uh, you know, I made it through the acquisition and continued to sort of just advance from a manager to a director uh, level position and, and away we went with my ad ops career. That's great. And then, so you are now part of Jupiter web and just timeline that for us where, what year are we in now? Yeah. So let's see. Earth web was 99, 2000 internet.com slash Jupiter media. Uh, I think I was there 2001 to 2006. Uh, and it was in 2006 when I met, uh, Rob Beeler, uh, who uh, currently is the uh, owner of, of Beeler.tech, which uh, focuses on uh, helping publishers, uh, you know, sort of with their ad ops strategy, if you will, in terms of producing a lot of content, training, uh, events, so on and so forth. Uh, he was my first boss at Advanced Digital. I met him and uh, uh, he recruited me to come over to Advanced Digital in 2006 to lead the ad operations team. And at that time, the team was about uh, six ad traffickers uh, with sort of no real um, organizational strategy. And so I, I came in and, and helped uh, organize that that team uh, a, a bit more and 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 get it to sort of operating at its optimal performance. Interesting times at Advanced Digital. I was there from 2006 to 2014 when I you know moved over to to Live Intent. And I would say during my time uh, there at Advanced, what was interesting is that was that sort of transition where we went from selling uh, our inventory based on content to selling it based on audience, right? So implementing the audience strategy. So not just selling uh, the, the auto section of the website to local car dealerships, but selling the auto intenders group to the local car dealerships, which went across, you know, uh, not only the auto section, but the entire site and then audience extension as well too. And so that was an interesting time to be there because again, from an ad ops perspective, uh, I helped lead the charge in terms of bringing in our data management platform, which was key to our, our audience targeting strategy. Uh, our viewability vendor uh, uh, focused on building out a, a publisher trading desk uh, for audience extension campaigns, buying impressions across the web on behalf of our advertisers. So that was an interesting uh, uh, transitional period and one that I, I really enjoyed. And I think it was sort of during that period of time where we did see that shift again at operations, just going from being traffickers to being much more of a, a, of a strategic input within the publisher organization. Right. So much more targeted, much more personalized, much more segmented. 
better reporting to go back to our, our advertisers to tell a story about how their campaigns were performing, not just impressions and clicks, but you know, if you're targeting that auto intenders audience, what other areas of, of content are, are they interested in? What uh, does their intent look like? What does their demographic breakdown look like? Where are we finding them across our site and across the web? So much more of a, of a storytelling aspect uh, uh, from a reporting perspective. Yeah, storytelling, uh, good word. Uh, that comes up a lot when we uh, talk about with, with brands on the show. Um, one of the nice things about you know this show, at least from the folks that uh, listen, it, it seems like we, we have this audience that's to some degree kind of junior because I've tended to, to interview uh, a number of early stage kinds of companies and then you know people that are more seasoned like you. So trying to find that common denominator of not having the content be overly simple but you know and then also not flying you know so high. But l- let's take a step back and and I think you'd be great to answer this. The ecosystem that exists, you mentioned the word publisher, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what's a publisher? What what does that really mean in layman's terms? And then what's the other side of the publishing side of advertising? Yeah. And what's interesting about that question is, you know, we, we go through our day to day and we don't stop and really like, we, we know who publishers and advertisers are, but when you, when you ask to define it, it's one of those things where it's like, huh, I got to think about it now. So thanks for making me think about that question, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So, so I, I, I would say in a, in a very, very simplest terms, because I try to keep things as simple as possible in our space because they can get very complicated, right? A, a, a publisher is a company that produces uh, editorial content. Uh, specifically as, as they work with Live Intent, right? And we'll get more into who Live Intent is. We usually start that relationship off around monetization efforts. How do they go about monetizing their content, right? So that, again, very, very, very simple terms uh, describing who a publisher is. An advertiser on the other side of that is a, a company that is selling a product or service and is looking to promote that to a specific audience, right? And again, uh, we'll get more into how we work with advertisers and, and help them accomplish its goals, their goals. But at the end of the day, and again, in its simplest forms, it's, it's supply and demand. The publishers have the supply because folks are coming to their, uh, their website or opening their email newsletters to consume uh, their content. And advertisers are the ones bringing the demand because they are spending money to promote their products and services to the audience that publishers have. So in, if, I, if I go back, so a publisher you know, could be um, any of the news networks that have a website, correct? So like a, yeah. a CNN, an MSNBC, Fox... Yeah. So yeah, New York Times. Tried, tried to cover all the uh, the political uh, spectrum <laughs> there. Um, so any of those would be publishers. They are producing content uh, that people want to read. And I might have a widget that I want to sell. And I am to a consumer. And I now go looking for um, one of those publishers that might have people consuming that content that would be my target audience. Is it as yeah. simple as what I just laid out it, there? It, it is It is as simple as what you just laid out there. There are definitely many layers to that and it can get a little bit more complicated, but at its simplest form, that that's it. Yep. And again, staying high level because this one totally could get 
into the weeds. One of those publishers, any of the ones that I mentioned, they have essentially a finite capacity. You know, they have X number of places on their site that they can ultimately sell to, you know, an advertiser. How do they decide whether they're going to promote this widget on this page and in that zone versus a different widget uh, in that same spot? Give some perspective. Yeah, 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 that, that's fair. So, so a publisher will look at, uh, you know, how much traffic is coming to either their website or again, how many subscribers they have opening their newsletter, right? So that, that's one metric they're, they're going to look at. And then you're right, they are going to look at what are the best places either on my website or in my newsletter to place uh, the ads that will, that will get the best performance for my advertisers. So those are some of the, the, the decisions that go into it. They will then also, again, you know, using uh, a data management platform or however they're looking at and organizing their data, the ability to sort of carve up their audience into audience packages that they, they can then offer to specific advertisers that are going to be interested in it. You know, again, I'll, I'll go back to the, the the very basic example I used when I was at Advanced Digital. We had an auto section of our website where people would come to search and uh, uh, look for cars that they want to buy, right? That's a perfect place for local car dealerships to be, right? So we would package up that autos section into two pieces. One, the specific auto section and offer that content out to uh, our auto dealers to 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 monetize or, or to, to purchase or package up the auto intenders audience right which is people that have visited the auto section but are also visiting other areas of the website as well too so there's really different ways that you can package up your inventory and offer it out to different advertisers and and that packaging may uh, change depending on who you're offering it up to, right? You know, the local car dealership is going to be looking for something uh, completely different than uh, someone that is, uh, you know, selling sporting goods, uh, for example, as well, too. Got it. And, and as an advertiser, how am I generally paying for the the space that the publisher is making available to me? Yeah, I mean the the basic case is a CPM cost per thousand, right? Um, uh, for impressions, um, but there are other, uh, let's call it performance uh, uh, metrics that you can uh, or, or perform ways to set up a campaign to pay on a performance basis, right? So you can pay for cost per acquisition as well too. So there are many different ways, but the real basic one is is paying based on the CPM. Uh, good. Great discussion. We could uh, put you in a class. You could be a professor uh, walking people through what could be a complicated topic. Do you have a direct-to-consumer business? I enjoy connecting with guests on this podcast because it reminds me what I love to do, strategic and tactical consulting for businesses like yours. If you'd like to speak with me about your business and see how you can add a fresh set of eyes to your team, contact me at mark at detailsinteractive.com. Now let's get back to the marketing playbook. You 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 had a real uh, nice career on the ad ops side. You mentioned a, a time in your career where you also were doing some account management. Um, so how how is that different than an ad ops role? 
Yeah, so that that brings that fast forwards us to uh, my time at uh, Live Intent, which uh, I made the jump from Advanced Digital to Live Intent in 2014. Uh, my first role there was VP of, of Platform Development, which essentially meant um, I was running the account management team specifically on our supply side of our business. So specifically for our publishers, existing uh, publishers that were signed, that were on our platform, that had our ad tags in their email newsletters, that were selling uh, their own inventory, that were taking um, demand from, from our exchange and other programmatic channels. My team was responsible for managing those day-to-day relationships with our existing publishers, uh, upselling into those publishers and really growing the product adoption uh, of those publishers that were using our, our services. What do you think makes a good account manager? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think really having an interest in your book of business, right? Like really diving into who your customers are, how they make money, how they run their business, and how uh, you know the solutions that you're offering fit into their overall strategy, right? So, I, and and I think that that's important, especially when you think about publishers and and what they're trying to do in terms of monetizing their inventory, um, diversifying their revenue, growing their subscriber base, right? Uh, Growing their audience, understanding their audience more and more. I think as an account manager, understanding that, you know, the services that you offer are not going to solve everything for a publisher, right? But it's, it's really figuring out where the services you offer fit into that publisher's overall strategy and then how to go really, really deep into that in terms of making sure that that publisher really understands not only how to get the most out of your your products and services, but then they're actually doing that as well too. And then, so you mentioned your role as, you know, platform uh, development and the VP of platform development. So what does that really mean in the context of a business like Live Intent? Yeah, it, 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 uh, I think it's, it's pretty self-explanatory uh, in terms of our goal was to grow the adoption of our publishers using our platform, right? So I think that's where the platform development piece comes into play because publishers do license uh, Live Intense technology uh, again, and, and, and there are many, many things publishers can, can do with us from monetizing their, their email inventory through our programmatic channels. They can sell their inventory directly, right, and, and sort of include that in their overall sales strategy. They can run campaigns across our platform, right, reaching uh, people that they want to promote their products and services to, grow their subscriber base, uh, promote their content so on and so forth. There's a lot publishers can do with us there. And so I think that's where the platform development piece comes into play, Mark. So the, the, the publishers that you work with, they're leveraging live intense technology to generate more revenue on their site or whatever content they have or whatever type of platform newsletters or whatever, but Mm -hmm. the inventory that they have, they're trying to optimize the dollars and you're helping them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's, uh, a great example is a client of ours, like the New York times, right? New York times is, is one of our 2,500 publishers and brands that, that utilize our, our, our platform and our services today. They uh, sell their inventory directly, right? So again, you know, just like the New York times would sell their display ad inventory on their websites, 
they can take the same strategy in their email newsletters. So that's, that's one way they can work with us, right? Um, we also bring demand to the table, right? So on the advertising side of our business, there are two ways advertisers can access inventory across our 2,500 publishers and brands. They can either sign an IO and, and work with us directly and we'll manage the campaign for us, or they can access that inventory through one of our, our programmatic uh, partnerships that we have with companies like the Trade Desk and Media Math. Uh, so on and so forth, right? Uh, that's another way the New York Times works with us by by taking that that demand that we can bring uh, to the table. On the flip side of this, right, and this is no secret, we've seen the articles and, and the headlines over the last couple of years. The New York Times is a company that has had a huge uh, push towards growing their subscriber base. We are one of those channels where where they can do that. They Their marketing folks can run subscriber acquisition campaigns across our platform targeting people um, that are not currently New York Times subscribers to get them to become New York Times subscribers. So those are just some ways publishers can can work with us. And, and that's just, a, you know, I'm using New York Times as an example because everyone knows who they are, but we have a lot of publishers that work with us in that in that fashion. Good, good example. Good, good way to lay it out. So you, you do this, this period of time, you know, helping to build out the platform, the technology that's there and how people are going to interact with it. And then at some moment in time, in my head, you switch, I don't know, you, you go from, you know, the account side of things to now the corporate side of live intent. Is that kind of a fair way to describe it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I moved from account management to, I would say, the marketing side of, of the business, right? So uh, I, I ran the account management team specifically uh, supporting our publishers for the first two years I was at Live Intent. Then we had a period of time where we merged the account management team on the supply side of our business and the demand side into a larger group. And I ran that team. Uh, for uh, close to a year, I would say I, I, I ran that team. Uh, and, and that was very interesting because now I, only had, I not only had to think about our publishers, but I also had to think about our advertisers, which I, uh, was, was very interesting and, and a great sort of challenge and, and opportunity. And after about doing that, Mark, for, like I said, close to a year, I, I made a complete pivot uh, at Live Intent where I went into our sort of customer journey slash product marketing uh, organization, which was really focused on the need to better understand our customers, the journey that our customers take with us in order to really focus on improving our go-to-market strategy and our and our positioning, and that was sort of my first uh, sort of move back into uh, marketing, if you will, at, at Live Intent. And so, as a a trained marketer who you know came up through ops and and kind of the the day-to-day -day tactical side and trafficking, um, so now you're the the guy who's telling the story. You you mentioned storytelling earlier in the conversation. So what's what's the story behind Live Intent then? Yeah, so so the story uh, uh, behind the company. So first and foremost, for those who don't know Live Intent, we are a people-based marketing company that is powered by the email address, right? And so everything that we do centers around uh, email and email newsletters. That's our bread and butter, right? The company's been around for a little over twelve years now. 
we started out really as serving, uh, uh, started out really as, as solving uh, dynamic ad delivery within email newsletters. So before Live Intent existed, if companies wanted to implement ads within their email newsletters, they were hard coding the ads, they were selling the ads based on share of voice or selling them based on send volume. So there was really no way to sort of scale that. And it was very, very difficult to run email campaigns with, with ads in, in your newsletters. And so we brought along that technology that basically allowed you to easily traffic ads in your email newsletters and dynamically deliver them. And so now what that means is publishers, publishers can go out and not sell based on send or not sell based on share of voice. They can sell impression-based campaigns and sponsorships in their newsletters, which again, I think opens up to a whole new world of scaling the monetization efforts within, within email newsletters. And so over the course of 12 years, what our company has evolved into, again, is we work with over 2,500 publishers and brands to help them just do that. You know, uh, we, we offer advertising and monetization solutions all within email newsletters to help publishers and brands acquire, retain, and monetize uh, their their audience. And you know, we're working with everyone from uh, the New York Times and Meredith and and Condé and Washington Post to companies like Walmart and Wayfair and and Overstock and a host of direct to consumer brands. And you know, what what is very interesting and unique about the the ecosystem that we've built up in the inbox is we now see over 200 million monthly email readers, right? And so again, going back to what I said earlier, everything that we do is really the foundation of everything we do is based on the email address, not based off of a, 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 of a cookie, if you will. And, and I know we'll get into sort of the death of the third party cookie and identity and, and, and all those things. But, you know, we are a, 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 a performance channel for marketers. Our, our channel is 100% logged in because you have to be logged in if you're checking your email. Uh, it's fraud free, right? Because if you're going to sign up for the New York Times or Meredith emails, you're going to have to double opt in, right? We only deliver an ad impression when we know that the user is actually opening the email. So it's not based on send. It's actually based on open so that we know users are, are very engaged with our content. So if I'm Wayfair, I can be working with you in, in basically two sides of the, the, the fence. I can be uh, using uh, advertising that I have and having it show up in some other company's uh, emails. Um, and then also, if I'm Wayfair, I don't know if they are or they're not, but they also could be accepting other third parties that I guess they deem not to be competitive with them into their newsletters as well. Yep, that is it. That is exactly it. You you got it. <laughs> well, I should, since we've done that piece of business with you. I should understand <laughs> that. Um, let, let's move into for a second, because I, you know, I think you, you gave us a perspective of who the company is and, and now your role in, in storytelling uh, for Live Intent. Um, you know, we've the death of the cookie and changes in iOS 14 and 15, um, and you've done a great job so far in being professor. <laughs> uh, professor of the day. So there's been lots of changes going on in the industry. iOS 15 changes, conversations around, you know, death of the cookie. Maybe you can 
explain to you know the novices and and frankly maybe even some of the more experts um, what the hell is going on here and how as an advertiser in some of these platforms whether it be Facebook Instagram how that's impacting me how it's impacting uh, my ability to read results and and ultimately make decisions of what I'm going to do with my ad dollars yeah so so Apple uh, back in June they made the announcement that um, they're rolling out um, uh, some new sort of privacy uh, features if you will some more control for users with iOS 15 uh, coming up in in the fall and really there there are uh, uh, a couple of main um, uh, features there that users will have at their control one is a uh, mail uh, privacy protection, uh, and the other one is is around sort of uh, uh, hide your your email address. And I think for marketers, um, specifically email marketers, right? Um, what some of the challenges that they're going to face is really understanding who is opening newsletters, uh, who's engaging uh, with the content. Uh, some of those uh, uh, sort of metrics that folks use today are going to become uh, a bit more difficult uh, to, to, to use in the future, right? Uh, I, I can tell you at, at Live Intent, we are certainly doing our testing on the product and engineering side to, to research the impact. Uh, I think for us, the good news so far is, is we don't see much of a major, major impact uh, to our business. But again, we're, we're still doing some, some testing uh, and we're going to have more uh, for our customers on that uh, in the future. But yeah, I mean, Apple is, is taking a, a really hard stance uh, with respect to uh, privacy uh, for, their, for their users. And um, it'll be interesting to see, one, how users react to it because uh, it it's, may change some of the things that they're used to doing and, and seeing. And definitely uh, for email marketers out there, it's going to have uh, an impact, again, with respect to the campaigns that they execute, the metrics that they're used to seeing, how they are counting certain things, specifically things like open rate. So there's still a lot to figure out there, Mark, but I think as an industry and, and for us at Live Intent, what we're trying to do is just evaluate uh, the best path forward here and how do we sort of go on this journey with our customers where we continue to offer uh, the best products and solutions uh, for them. Good. Thank you. That's a, a good uh, overview for a, a confusing uh, topic. So speaking of confusing topics, uh, it, it tends to come up in many shows, perhaps because it's my show and I bring it up a lot. <laughs> and that's the issue of attribution. Um, and, you know, so often uh, businesses are challenged with figuring out for each dollar they spend, um, and, and for each order that they get, um, you know, what is the, the actual advertising tactic that drove that order uh, to their business? So, you know, you're one piece of the puzzle. We know that consumers are engaging across many paid channels uh, before they ultimately make an order, at least many of them are. So how, how are you, if at all, helping clients figure out the value of live intent specifically in the whole ecosystem? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. And and one thing is for sure, Mark, this is always something that's top of mind for marketers, right? It doesn't matter whether it's this year, five years ago, 10 years ago, attribution, uh, super important, making sure that you're spending dollars in areas where uh, are effective for your business. And, and I think, again, for us, going back to what I said earlier, everything that we do is based off of the email address and an email open, right? And so 
we sit, I think, in a really good position to help marketers with attribution and understanding how effective the campaigns that they're running with us are, mainly because we see every every email open that's within our network, right? Those 200 million uh, uh, readers that I was referencing earlier. And because we see every open, we understand uh, if that user has been exposed uh, to your ad campaign and or if they've actually clicked on the ad. So at the time of conversion or the time that they take action on site or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do is the goal of your campaign, we have the ability to tie back that, that email user that has opened and has been exposed or clicked to your ad to that conversion. So when you, when you, when you talk about um, the attribution and, and how granular we can get with making sure that the advertisers really understand how effective your campaign is, that, that's where it is. It, it, it's within that email open and being able to tie it to that conversion. And again, because like I said before, there's, very, there's, there's no fraud in email. Uh, we only deliver ads on open. Uh, uh, most people don't share their email addresses, right? So there's that one-to-one connection, right? I don't know if, you know, I'm sure, Mark, no one else has the, the password to log into your inbox, right? So I certainly hope not. <laughs> so so we, we clearly uh, uh, understand uh, down to that user level uh, who's been exposed to the ad and who's converting and can match that up for advertisers. Good stuff. Um, as we uh, get ready to, to end our time together, uh, I, it would be unfair not to allow you to talk about the Minority Report, your own <laughs> podcast. So tell us uh, quickly about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So Minority Report podcast started that over three years ago with a buddy of mine. His name is Eric Rickaden. It really started out as a way, Mark, of, of wanting to make sure that um, uh, diverse leaders across uh, media, business, and technology get highlighted and and have a place to a platform to share their story, their own personal journey. Uh, and uh, it started out as a passion project for Eric and, and I. It still is to this day, but it's grown uh, tremendously. We just published earlier this week our hundred and first uh, episode. Uh, wow. Some some of the awards that you mentioned earlier that I've been recognized for is because of the work that we we do on on Minority Report podcast, and it's it's really evolved and has grown over the years. That's great. Yeah, good stuff. Well, um, we do this uh, two-minute drill at the end of the show, um, and it's funny because uh, every now and then I run long and I wind up not doing the two-minute drill, and the first thing happens when I sign off, I get a text from the guest and they say, what the heck? We didn't do the two-minute drill. So we're <laughs> going to do the two-minute drill. You ready? Let's do it. All right. One or two words that will uh, pop into your mind after the, the question. All right. A brand that you admire or that inspires you? Sure. Uh, this company called Bevel, uh, they produce uh, health and beauty products for uh, people of color. Uh, I use their um, shaving uh, products uh, uh, as well. And uh, yeah, really, really great company. Love their story and, and love the mission behind their, their products and services. Okay. Favorite app on your phone? My Peloton app. Uh, okay, I, I'm I, with I'm, you. Yeah, I'm a cyclist, and uh, when I can't get outdoors, I love riding my bike, but also taking some of the other classes. It's it's like having a hundred personal trainers at your fingertips. Love it. Favorite trainer? Uh, Ali Love. Okay, good yeah. one. 
All right. Last website other than Amazon that you shopped from. Uh, this company called Quadratech. I recently brought, bought a uh, Jeep Wrangler and I needed a new um, bike rack uh, for, the, for the Jeep for my bike because I love to cycle. So that, there it is. <laughs> okay. I, I, there's a very interesting thread here, you know, <laughs> health, beauty, you know, uh, I, I, I got it. Something that you're not good at, but that you wish that you were. Ah, uh, man. Uh, I, I wanted to play baseball. Uh, I couldn't play past my freshman year in college. That's what I wanted to do. So love baseball. Okay. My favorite sport. Charitable organization that you're passionate about. You know, during the pandemic, I've gotten into buying uh, art and um, UNICEF Marketplace uh, is a really, really cool marketplace where they promote and offer up art um, from underrepresented artists in um, in places like Africa and South America. And I've bought some really, really cool, nice pieces uh, there and, and all the money goes back to to the artists. So uh, that would be my my charitable organization. Now I, I you know I'm not an art guy, but I I'm listening to you answer these questions. I'm thinking, geez, now I know why I like Carell. He's an interesting <laughs> guy. You know, he's diverse. Oh, very good. <laughs> if you had one superpower, what would it be? Predict the future. Isn't that what every marketer wants to do? I'll tell you uh, for <laughs> sure. Other than family, what's your most prized possession? I'm gonna go back to cycling. My my Trek road bike. Okay. And, you know, as a social marketing guy, uh, where can people reach out to you on social media if they have questions or comments? Yeah, um, just search Carell Cooper. So that's K-E-R-E-L, last name Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, and, and you'll find me. All right. Great job today. Really nice to catch up with you. Uh, uh, the time went really fast. So I, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day and, and sharing with the audience uh, your experiences and uh, the world of, uh, of advertising. So have a great day. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. That's it. Today's game ball goes to Carell Cooper for coming on the Marketing Playbook. To me, today's three game-winning marketing plays were as follows. Number one, your career is a journey. You heard from Carell how he got started on the ad operations side of the business, but over the years, he's evolved into platform management, account management, and now a traditional marketing role with the task of telling the story of live intent. Most of us do not end up where we start, so every step in your career is a building block, and the more diversity you can get, the more well-rounded your career will be. Number two, to some degree, regardless of our roles, we're all like an account manager. You heard Carell speak about what makes a good one. Have an interest in your book of business. How do your customers make money? How do they run their business? And most importantly, how do the solutions you offer fit the needs of the business? And number three, changes in privacy rules continue to impact the digital space. As marketers, it's our jobs to figure out how to speak to our customers in ways that allow us to work hard to get as much first-party data as possible. This will strengthen your relationship with customers and allow for you to navigate all of the changes that have recently impacted us and the changes we will likely deal with in the future. Thank you, Playbook Marketers, for listening to another episode. If you want to check out more pages of the Marketing Playbook, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast spot and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Details Interact and learn more at DetailsInteractive.com. Until next time, the devil is in the details. Mm -hmm.